Hey everybody fans, welcome to the first episode of Ballin' with B-Show. My name is Gavin B-Show, and this is my first podcast of many in this series, so let's get right into it. So the way these podcasts are going to go, we're going to start off with a recap of the previous Rhode Island basketball game, any impressive performances and stats that game, and overview of their record and what it means um, in context, and transition to um, their next opponent and a full breakdown of the opponent in specific keys to a roadie victory. And then a look around the 8-10, recap last last night's games, um, standings, impressive performances, and uh, more news. And then recapping any impressive news across NCAA Division One basketball. Also, i like to add that these episodes would be coming out usually one day after the last roadie basketball game. Now that you guys have the format, let's get right into the first episode. Starting off with roadie's game last night, they started off hot. They started off with a 9-0 run. After hitting three threes, two from Christian Thompson, one from Fats Russell, that really got them in the groove, and they held that lead pretty much throughout the whole first half, give them a 10-point lead at halftime, and they expanded that lead big time, get to 19 points, 66-47, four Richmond started hitting shots, finding their groove, got it all the way down to 10 points, but Rhodey ended up holding off, getting an 11-point win, big win, 8-10 win at Richmond with a final score of 78-67. And some important statistics to look over there are Jeff Downs, obvious, 24 points. Another one is Fats Russell. He got 19 points. He really got back in the groove last night. And you can see the shots he was making, the shots he was taking were confident and good shots, and he was making them. And another thing to look at is Tyrese Martin. He only had 10 points, but he's contributing a lot more, especially with the three-point ball for the URI team. And if he can get more space and get more comfortable shooting the three ball, this road team will do just fine in the A-10. My player of the game was obviously Jeff Dowling last night, 24 points, 5 assists, 3 boards, balanced attack, shot 7 for 8 from the field, shot pretty well from the free throw line, and really helped this roadie team. And as a veteran starter, that's exactly what you need for this young roadie team, is at least one of the two powerhouses, Jeff Dowling or Cyril Angevine, to come through to win basketball games. And people look at Richmond's record, not the strongest team, but you have... Uh, Gilliard, who can shoot the three ball like he does, and Grant Golden, who can beat down anyone in the A-10. I think he's one of the best post scorers in the A-10. He uses his legs, gets around defenders. He doesn't use his shoulders or elbows and never gets an offensive foul. And I think Richmond has a lot of potential. They just got to start shooting the ball better. And I won't be surprised if they can go deep into the A-10 tournament. Now, of course, that win puts Rhodey with an 8-6 record, 1-1 one one in the Atlantic 10, which is just what they need, their first win. First notch on the board for the basketball team. Looking forward to their next opponent, George Mason, who is a team that came in this season being a big favorite in the A-10 and then starting off very slow. And now they've rebounded to an 8-8 record with a 2-1 record in the A-10. Now this team, how do I say this? This team can show up and ball out. Um, They have Otis Livingston and they have Justin Greer, I think his name is, right? Justin Keir. And... I don't see why they can't go far in the A-10 tournament, but it just it drops off from there. They're, they're big men. They don't have someone over 6'8 that starts. 6'8. That's very small. Now, that's a similar situation. Rhodey was in last year when they played Duke. Um, their tallest player was Andre Barron and Cyril Langevin at 6'8, while Duke had Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter at 6'11 and 7 feet, respectively. And they just pounded the boards and... Got the post game really well on the Rhode Island basketball team. That's what ended them up losing by 20 plus points. But this George Mason team 
again, can surprise a lot of people. And if they play the right game and they make their shots, which a small team needs to do is make three-point shots, I think they can do very well in the A-10 this year. Rhodey's big main focus, of course, is Justin Keir, junior guard. He's a 6'4", junior from uh, Virginia, and he can really shoot the ball uh, well. And that's what really puts him apart from anyone else on his team. Otis Livingston has shocked me this year in a bad way, though. You know, he came into the uh, A-10 uh, last year, um, doing amazing. Um, everyone was like, oh my God, look at his junior year. This is only his junior year. He's going into his senior year, and he's doing all this amazing things for this team. That Everyone was like thinking he's this player. They got built it around. He's the player. Everything has to go through, which they were right at that point. Um, he's only 5'11", though, which I think really hurts him in general. But um, yeah, he's a shocker in a bad way that he hasn't just performed. He's only averaging, let me check, He's only averaging 13.3 points a game. Um, his three-point percentage is below 30%. I mean, that's just terrible for a person who has been praised as much as he has um, from this George Mason team. And to be honest, Justin Creer, I think, runs this team. I mean, he's shooting 38% from a three-pointer. His free throws are almost automatic, and his field goal percentage is 50%, which shows how effective he is, efficient he is for this team, unlike Otis Livingston, who's shooting 40%, which compared to Justin Keir's 10% difference, and he also shoots 10% better from three-point land. So, I mean, Justin Keir is someone to really look out for of the George Mason Patriots. And uh, keys to a roadie win um, on Sunday at 5 o'clock at the Ryan Center versus the George Mason Patriots is easy. You have to put Christian Thompson on Justin Keir. You, he's one of the best defenders, if not the best, on the team. And you got to make him feel uncomfortable, get him in space, and make him shoot shots that he doesn't usually take. And then I would say probably put Fats Russell on Otis Livingston as the height difference is not that much. As Otis Livingston is listed at 5'11", and Fats Russell is listed at, I think, 5'10"? Yeah, 5'10". So, I mean, this would be a good matchup for Fats Russell to get some scrappy defense, some steals, some turnovers, and some fast-break points that this roadie team feeds off and eats off to win basketball games. Also, with a small team like George Mason, roadie's got to really push it in the paint with Jermaine Harris and Cyril Vine down there. They really got to take the house down on this one. They have no one over 6'8". You have Jermaine who's very lengthy. As long as you don't get in foul trouble, as long as uh, uh, well as well as Cyril. I mean, those two can be unstoppable forces against this very small George Mason team. And if they can do that, I mean, Rhodey should have no problem. Uh, George Mason, last time out, lost 61-56 to a close game to Davidson who's a very solid team this year in the A-10 at home. And you see, they, they got down. They got down, I think, 15 points, 13, 14, 15 points. And they came back. They got all the way to one point for separation at the end after a terrible shot, um, last shot for George Mason for a three-pointer to tie um, went down. And this team could come back and strike at any moment. But, again, if you wear them down, if you get the people in the post, surreal and Jermaine. If you get them in the post, get them ready to eat, get them ready to feast off this very small George Mason team, and then once they start collapsing, space out and kick out to uh, people like Tyrese Martin, role players like Dan Tate, um, Fats Russell, Jeff Doughton, Christian Thompson, who Christian Thompson is not the best three-point shooter when he's off the dribble, but when it's catch and shoot, it's a whole different story because when he sets his feet and able to take a shot that he usually takes, don't rush, and he follows through, it's automatic bucket. 
Personally, I would expect them man-to-man due to their lack of size because you don't want to go into a 2-3 and have them just fire from three ball and then make that. So you want to really stay tight up. If I was David Cox, I'd definitely, without a thought, go to man-to-man like Rhodey usually does to uh, prevent any um, three-point barrages from George Mason. Now let's look around the 8-10 here. There was six other games besides the Rhodey-Richmond game. Davidson, who we talked about before, took a 61-56 W at George Mason. And Dayton gets a um, road win at a week odd George Washington team, as we'll talk about later, 72-66. to St. Bonaventure obliterates St. Joseph's as a surprise to me, uh, 73-47. VCU takes care of LaSalle, who tries to go to VCU's house and upset them, but VCU holds off 69-63. to Duquesne holds off Fordham, and I write Fordham, 66-61. And St. Louis has another close game with another opponent, UMass, 65-62 at home. But St. Louis probably wouldn't have won that game without the impressive performance of Hassan French. 9 for 14 from the field, 25 points, and he's just a beast. Um, let's check. He also had 6 rebounds. He had 4 fouls, though, which shows that he can get to foul trouble quick. But when he played Rhode Island, he was getting rebounds like nothing. He was scrappy. He was going for the boards, and I think that really helped St. Louis get an edge over Rhode Island last week. And a quick side note for that Davidson-George Mason game, Justin Keir. 26 points, 26, and 13 for 14 from the free throw line, which shows that if he gets it to the charity stripe, he's going to knock down his free throws, which is what a team like George Mason needs. But that's something that Rhode Island's got to limit. They foul a lot. They got to stay less um, physical against a team like George Mason. I still say they have to play aggressive and the way they play on defense, but I say down low that you don't want to get Kier on the free throw line because it's an automatic make for him, as he's shown against Davidson in their 61-56 loss. And the standings, you have Davidson, Dayton, St. Louis, VCU, all 2-0 at the top of the A-10. Next is George Mason with a 2-1 record. And then a slew of teams, including Duquesne, Rhode Island, George Washington, St. Bonaventure, LaSalle, with a 1-1 record. And then ending up at the rear, Fordham, UMass, Richmond, and St. Joe's with 0-2 and 0-3 records. And um, as we get into our next segment, I thought of a question. And This year, A-10 is not the same as it usually has been. This year, you probably have a one-bid A-10. Unlike last year, we had two bids. Probably would have actually been one bid if Rhode Island finished off that conference championship game against Davidson. But the year before that, you had Dayton, VCU, and Rhode Island all go to the tournament. And not that there were like 14, 15 seeds. I think VCU was an 8 seed. Dayton was a 9 seed, I'm pretty sure, that year. And Rhode Island was an 11 seed. And... That's when the A-10 was premier. I mean, if you think about that, if you're Rhode Island, you're playing two to four, anywhere from two to four tournament games because you're playing against tournament quality teams. And that's what I think the A-10 is lacking this year. And it got me to think, is this year is the A-10 inconsistent or weak? And uh, that's an important question because it looks over the opponents, the low tier, the middle tier, the high tier opponents, that are they, are they just weak or just very inconsistent? Well... I think it's a little bit of both. I think the A-10 is weak because of the inconsistency. So I think inconsistency is the major problem in the A-10 and why they're so weak this year and last year. Um, you have teams, as we go back to the George Washington-Dayton game last night, George Washington led the game by 21 points at halftime. I mean, 21 points? I mean, that's hard to overcome even in a conference game at home. And David out, Dayton outscored them by 27 points to win by six. Not a one-point game in overtime. Not a two-point game. Six points. 
that's just that's just crazy to see that happen, have a, a swing like that. And of course, they have the compliment of Jordan Davis, twenty five points coming through. But again, you have a teams like that, and they blow twenty one point leads in the first half. That's like not heard of. And another example is last year, St. Joe's really caught their shot at the end of the year, and they played Rhode Island at home on senior night, and um, they beat them by thirty. And I'm pretty sure they shot near to over 50% that game, where Rhode Island did not shoot well that game at all. And that's what really affects the A-10. An A-10 team can come out and play the best ball they ever had in their career, in their career, and do whatever they can. Shoot amazing, uh, great defense, and they can blow out great teams like by 20 with, with ease. Because that's how inconsistent the A-10 is. You have a team go up by 10 and then lose by 17. You have a team go up by 22 or 21, as we saw against Dayton, and they come back. So I think it's a real issue the A-10 has. I think they got to get some true teams over the next couple of years that really just stick. Um, as VCU and Dayton last year, they had a drop-off year compared to the year before that when they were in the NCAA tournament. And it was confusing to see them 8-9 seeds because they're usually like 1-2 and two seeds. Um, and again, with Ron this year, they're looking around 4-7 to seven in that range. And not that one seed, but they've always been that way, four to seven. Uh, I think the year before that, there was, I think last year they were um, a one seed, which was a shocker. I mean, they won the regular season championship. Uh, they went fifteen and three. They did unbelievable last year. But I mean, the year before that, they went. Um, they were, I think, they were four seed. No. Yeah, but they were the four seed when they won the A ten championship. And the down year before that, when AC Matthews towards ACL, they were a seventh seed. And the year before that, they were a four seed. So they're always in that range, four to seven seed. And anywhere higher is um a, a gift. It's great. Um, and especially getting a four seed in that double buy in the A ten tournament is huge. Now people might say that well, people are warmed up, they're used to playing in the A ten tournament. But um, my view is that. Having double buy, two games by, sit on your couch, relax on Wednesday and Thursday to wait who you play for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, that's the home stretch right there. People can, um, let me say this, six teams, eight, ten are already eliminated by then. So there's no um, worry that when you have a double buy, you're, you might be playing a team that is upset minded, but it's not the best. Because you're probably, if you're a four seed, you're playing five seed best. If you're one seed, you're playing, no, if you're one seed, you're playing like five seed best. Four seed, you're, pl- actually, no, wait. Let me think about this. I think the four seed, the five seed plays the four seed, and the one seed plays like the eight seed and nine seed best. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, and another inconsistency that they have, like even uh, three years ago, when uh, two years ago, when the teams they had three teams, they had Davidson who came in as a nine seed and they beat Dayton. They beat the one seed Dayton, who was unbelievable that year. They were unbelievable. They're they're crazy good that year, and. Um, Ended up falling, I think, to Wichita State. But that's not the point. Uh, when they lost to Davidson, Davidson came out, and I was scared to face Davidson in the semifinals because they show that they're a great team. They can beat down Dayton. They beat him by 8, 10 points, I think. And I was nervous. And then Rhodey went out and won by 23, I think. And they were up by, like, 14 at halftime. It was quick. I mean, it was a tie game with, like, five minutes left in the first half. And then Rhodey... Went on and won by 23. I mean, that was something that I did not see coming. And shows the inconsistency. And before, like, way back, not way back, but a couple years, like, four or five years back, they always had consistent teams. They always had Xavier, Temple, who's always at the top of the A-10, and it was the premier A-10 teams before Davidson, VCU, George Mason, teams like them came into the A-10. Um, and 
it just I don't know how to put it, but it's very, very inconsistent. Like St. Joe's, like I thought St. Joe's would be a 500 team, but they started off and they crushed by St. Bonaventure. They uh, they lost by 12, I think, to George Washington, a team that is proven to be one of the worst in the A10s, next to LaSalle, of course. But I, I think LaSalle is going to have a better record than George Washington. They started off 0 and 10. They started off 0 and 10, and I think. I wasn't. I think they lost a lot of games, close games, and um, I mean they gave a good game to Villanova, who's not as good as they were usually, but um, they gave them a good game, which is um, very important. And I think LaSalle is a team to be um, aware of, even though the record doesn't show how good they might be. But still, this team I think has a lot to prove and a lot to lose in the A10 uh, uh, regular season. So that's something to look out for, and another thing to look out for. Everyone's talking about St. Louis and how good they are. I don't see that. I mean, St. Louis, yes, they beat Redon by seven at home. I'm not saying that Redon's better or anything, that Redon could do better. But St. Louis is not is not a shooting team. I mean, they cannot shoot the ball from three. As they, as you saw, if you watched the Redon-St. Louis game um, last Sunday, um, they showed um, an experience from the three. They turned the ball over a lot. And the only one there uh, with Javon Bess and um, Hassan French. Um, carrying that team, sort of like Gilliard and um, Golden, like um, from Richmond that we saw last night. Um, and St. Louis, I think, is going to take a major hit because of that transfer. I think it was Karante Gordon who's transferring. He's a freshman. He started. He averaged, I think, around 10-plus points a game. And he was a player. He can play basketball at a very high level. And I think that's one of the reasons why he transferred. But St. Louis... Um, projected to win the A-10, I think that's not going to happen just because um, they're not that deep. They're not deep at all. Um, and I think if someone can find an answer to Hassan French rebounding um, down low in the post, maybe double-teaming him whenever the ball gets down in the paint, that's the way to go, and they're not going to be that strong because Javon Best is getting these open shots off rebounds and um, missed opportunities from other teams. So without that rebounding attack, that would really damage that um, style of play. And I see Davidson. Now, how we talk about Davidson? Davidson's a good team. They're a great team, I think, in the A10. But I don't want to be rude or anything. But I don't know if they've, I don't know, home court advantage. To me, it looks like a train station where Davidson plays and just filled with Steph Curry posters. But I don't know how to say this in the right way, not to be rude or anything. But I don't think Davidson has really um, of a home a court advantage as a team like Uri might, but mostly like VCU and Dayton. Like VCU and Dayton are the hardest places to play in the A10, um, hands down. Um, the UD Arena, by the way, the TV angle to get the UD Arena is terrible. That's why I watch. That's why I, that's why I hate watching games at Dayton and VCU. They have a killer fan base. I would die to be part of that fan base, um, or part of something like that fan base, not part of the VCU fan base. But they. Those two teams have an incredible home court advantage. And I see Rhode Island, the Ryan Center, um, even after losing games, is still getting a higher attendance. And they really have a home court advantage when they play good teams and the fans show out and uh, support Rhode Island basketball. Um, and George Washington, I don't see surviving the A-10 at all. George Washington is a weak, incredibly weak team. And I think I've already said on this, but they're not going to survive, even though they beat St. Joe's by 12 points. I don't think it's going to happen again. I think they have a chance of actually losing out, if not just winning back against Fordham. 
And what really bugs me is that not really, how do I say it? It's a pet peeve, pretty much, when you see Duquesne and um, Fordham with, like, one-on-one records, but they're ahead of Rhode Island because they schedule teams that are in D2, and they live, they come out of nowhere, you know? They start off 10-5, 11-5, 10-4, good records. I mean, it just it just kind of annoys me, but something I have to get over when you get these standings and these rankings. Um, but it is what it is. And, um, yeah, that's what I think my answer is to weak or inconsistent. I think it's um, weak due to the inconsistency of the teams and um, of the style of play. And, yeah, so that's my stance on it. And we're going to um, move on to our last segment. And um, that's just news across um, NCAA Division One basketball. First, we're going to start off with um, Houston um, grabbing their first loss. Um, against Temple, um, number 17 team in the country, finally loses, leaving two teams left, Virginia and Michigan. And we're going to do a little overview on those teams as um, we need to. I think, um, now Michigan, Michigan's a solid team, and I think they're not underrated or overrated. I think they're stated as where they are. Um, they got playmakers, Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, Anus Brazadikis, I think that's how you say his name. Let me, let me try Braz... Dikis or Del Dikis, I think it's Dikis, but um, playmakers, all playmakers. Um, they really helped this Michigan team. And as you look at these stats, these minutes are not overwhelming. It's not seeing any 40 minutes, you're seeing 29, 30, 32, 21, 26, 31, 16. They have depth, that's depth. When you have three, when you have seven players, when you have seven players that can go out and give you 20 minutes each. Plus some role players from the bench, averaging four, five, two, three, um, anywhere in that range. Minutes, it really helps a team like Michigan succeed as they just got a ton of depth. And I think they have a real chance of um, taking a deep run in the NCAA tournament due to that. And um, they are in the Big Ten, so it's going to be hard to win out. But I think the only team that's threatening to them right now is Indiana um, when they visit there. I think that's one of the only um, games where they really have to worry about losing. Not worry about, because you can always get upset in the Big Ten. But, like, if they play the way they've been playing, I don't see why they can't go undefeated. But um, teams like Michigan State and Indiana might get in their way. And, of course, the tournament, the Big Ten tournament is a crazy tournament. I remember watching those games and watching so many buzzer beaters off those. I mean, Michigan got one a couple years ago um, against Indiana, speaking of the devil, um, who's the first seed to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. So I think that's a thing to look at. And the other undefeated team left after Houston's loss, as well as um, Michigan, is the Virginia Cavaliers. Now, I'm not trying to praise them or anything, but this team is underrated, but I think they're amazing. I think that they're underrated. They are dirty. They are just... They can play basketball. I mean, they have DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome... um, and Kyle Guy, three very, very, very good players. Very experienced players. And, I mean, if you look at their um, field goal percentage, um, Ty Jerome, not the best, um, but still, he averages field goal percentage at 42%. Shoots um, fairly decently from the free throw line and um, connects on only 40%. Only 40%. And you say only 40%, but think about it, that's like, the same amount as Justin Keers from George Mason. Um, so you really see um, 
how this um, whole setup goes down with this Virginia team. And then you have Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy is a shooter. He shoots 48% from the field, but this is going to stun you. 48% three-pointers. 48. Do you get that? 48. That is just amazing. This player can play. He can shoot. He can lead this team to how far? As far as... He can take the team as far as he wants them to because he's just a great leader and a role model. Model and DeAndre Hunter, he might have the best, not have the best three-point shooters, but percentage, but he's still at forty-three percent, which is very, very good. And um, he is very effective with fifty-two percent from the field, which is just amazing to see from an underrated team like this of Virginia Cavaliers team in the ACC. Um, they're not gonna go undefeated, I don't think, in the ACC because they have to play um, teams like Duke, but. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, they can get upset in the ACC. Um, but, I mean, how do I say this? Virginia, I wouldn't be surprised if they went undefeated. I wouldn't be at all. Um, I think they can beat Duke. Uh, they just got to stop Zion Williamson. Uh, he's really forced because you talk about R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Um, they just feed off. They feed off Zion's energy. And if you can take that down and not let him have those opportunities and chances to do 360 windmill dunks and really get their energy up, um, I think they really have a chance to shut down Duke and actually win by double digits. And the last piece of news we have is um, very big. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks, um, Senator Yuduka um, Azubuki, um, he's out for the year um, uh, getting hand surgery. But he, I remember watching him getting alley-oops from half court. He would get the ball and just put it in the hoop. He can just turn around. He's so lengthy. He's so big. He just drops the ball in right there in the hoop. And if he doesn't do that, he throws a power uh, dunk. So um, I think that's going to be a big, big problem for Kansas. They have to fill that role with someone who might be not as experienced as um, Adoko. So I think, I don't know. Kansas has a big hole to fill. They did get a win last night though against TCU, which was um big for them. And I don't with that injury, it's hard to see them win the Big Twelve with teams like TCU and Oklahoma, um, that can be considered for winning the Big Twelve. But without him, it's gonna be hard for Kansas to go far, not just in the Big Twelve tournament, but also as a big energy booster in the NCAA tournament. As I see them, if I were if they were to get in as a one two, uh, one seed, uh, two seed, I see them getting eliminated in the second round, as they usually do, um, to a team that has more energy than them and um, um, better big men. Because without um, without him, it's just hard uh, to see them go really, really far. He was the piece that put them together. He was the star on this team. Of course, you have Gerald Vick and um, Dedrick Lawson. But, I mean... These are players that can make opportunities happen, and but without, um, without um, Azubuki, um, I don't. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to see them uh, win basketball games the way they won them before. And uh, I think that's gonna wrap up today's episode. Uh, thank you for listening in. And um, five o'clock Sunday afternoon. George Mason will visit the Rhode Island Rams at the Ryan Center. Thanks for listening, and as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.